to Core Community Covenant Church with Pastors Max and Trish. Join us as we learn more about the Word of God. Of order, and there was false teaching that was creeping in. So a lot of Corinthians, Paul is addressing and trying to instruct the Corinthian church about like, yes, there's freedom in Christ. Yes, there's room for the Holy Spirit to move. And each and every person has their gifts and talents. But at the same time, there's God is a God of order, not of confusion or chaos. Yeah. And the, the whole the whole chapter 14, it starts at 12. Uh, the, this, this teaching, he, he starts at 12 from uh, the spiritual gifts. And he talks about importance of it. And then chapter 13 hits home the importance. It's not about the... the the gift it's right. about the love that you share that gift with he i love when he says that i'd rather say four 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 foreign tells with words than speak in tongues of, prophecy, of yeah. heaven and you know he's like if i if i do all these things but i have no love i'm, I'm nothing i'm a resounding gong um so uh, chapter 13 he, he kind of hits it that there's got to be love in all that we do it's it's not about the gifts of it it's what's behind it because without love it's nothing and then in chapter 14 where we're going to be he he dives more into how church should look like when they gather They talk, he talks about what they gather and, and again in the, in the Corinth the church they're very much about uh gifts right especially speaking in tongues which reminds right. me a lot of some of the certain yes yeah, certain, certain churches certain but even churches. the verse that we are reading that, that we use all the time for communion you know churches use that frequently in the context of that text paul is setting out and he's saying you're doing more harm than good when you come together because they mm, were coming yeah. together to have communion and people were getting drunk they were eating all kinds of crazy. They weren't waiting for each other. The rich had better food. portions. Mm-hmm. The poor were going home hungry. And so he actually, in the context of that text yeah. that we read all the time, the larger chapter, he's rebuking them and he's saying, that's not... So they actually had developed a reputation. The love feasts, as they were called, the agape feasts, people thought that they were like orgies because it was such a party. It was so crazy. And Paul is like, listen, y'all need to dial it back. Like we need to have some order. So he starts with that and, and then gets to chapter 14 where he actually talks about their time of worship. So the, it, very similar to the way we started as core, the way that the early church would meet is they would get together, they would share a meal, and then there would be a teaching and a time of worship and prayer. And that was the flow of, and so we're going to look into that as we look at First Corinthians where he talks about the time of worship. So yeah. and, and just right before, before we share the scripture, it's interesting what you said about, about the chapter 11. He's looking at Acts 2. Right. Paul is looking at Acts 2. He's like, this is how it was. Right. There was no need. Nobody had any wants or needs. They all shared equally. We all broke bread together. There was no... And then now there's a hierarchy. Now there's these things coming in and and everything else. We should not have need when people come together. So I, I love that he's... He, he's reflecting on Acts 2.42, the, the beginning of the church. And it's like, hey, we need to go back to that. That, that was love. That was, we focus about teaching, prayer, 
breaking of bread, um, and fellowship. Right. Stop focusing on all the other stuff. And uh, as we share this verse, it, I, I think it's, it's really awesome that there's a verse here that talks about how church supposed to flow. Not that it has to be exactly like, but there's so many things out there that people argue and everything else, but Paul pretty much kind of helped us out yeah. with everything. So we're in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. It says, What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. And I want to pause that because afterwards he goes into speaking in tongues and how that should look like and prophets, how that should look like. But we, we really want to focus on that verse. You want your button? Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. There you go. Thanks. Now I'm holy. Now you're holy. I, I, I cleaned up the Bible. It's fine. Thank you. I love how it starts. When you come together, so he's talking about the gatherings, right? We're, we're talking about maybe talking about having church, maybe just coming together for love feasts or happy feasts or whatever. The first word that, that jumps at me is everyone. It's, I think that's a powerful thing. Because it doesn't start off when you come together... The worship leaders gonna greet you. He doesn't say that the greeters are gonna be at the door. He says everyone, whoever's there, has a hymn or a word of instruction, a relation of tongue or interpretation. Like that—that's to me. That that was mine. <laughs> I, I, I feel like that that's to, that's to me is an important part that we need we need to really dive into. And and that's that's where today is. The corporal work not corporal. Corporate. Corporate, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> corporate worship is this verse. And I love that it doesn't say and everyone will sing hymns. Yeah. He's given different things because he knows different people have different gifts and different um what God had put on their hearts through the week or through the day, whenever, however many times they meet. There was something different for each and every one. I know we've talked about this before when we talked about worship earlier. Um, but we really need to look at, look at that. How that can be in service. Yeah. Yeah, one of the visions that we had, again, that we, we want to work towards as a community is to develop a culture that as we're all rooted and grounded in the Word and we form that there's not that dynamic of the ministers up in front on a stage and then the congregants who are just there passively receiving and inter being entertained, but that we really are a community where everyone, as the Holy Spirit feels led, not just out of emotion or just, you know, where someone is stealing the, you know, stealing the show, trying to prove to everybody how smart they are, but genuinely as you feel led by the Lord to just pause and there's a time maybe someone you know, feels that we need to read a psalm of lament or someone has a praise report or someone has a poem that God puts on their heart and that we have a space where it's not, again, just 
you know, one directional, but we have this dynamic community where we're collaborating and sharing. And that is the picture that is in First Corinthians. The dynamic that most churches model themselves after is actually Greek theater. It's, it's Greek, um, it's a Greek model. It's not a, a Hebrew or Christian model that the way that the service order is structured. And again, it's not that it's bad and you have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. It's just that that's not what we feel called to do. And it doesn't mean that if we grow that we wouldn't have some sort of dynamic again, because you need to keep order. But we do want it to be where there's participation and everyone realizes that they're of equal value. Mm -hmm. They're equally called, equally gifted, equally anointed by the Holy Spirit. And so here, this picture in 1 Corinthians 14, it, like he said, everyone has a hymn or word or revelation or tongue or interpretation. So it's not just one person who is being led. Like you come and it's like, well, I can't wait to hear what the, what God put on the pastor's heart to tell us today. No, it's, I can't wait to hear what the Holy Spirit is going to show us as a community. You know, I, I, I'm excited to hear what everyone is learning and what, what God is doing in everyone's lives and to see how they're intertwined. And just one thing as a, as a side note. So, uh, I don't want to just skip over this because, again, we challenge you that when we teach to go back and read the text and read it in context. And one of the things that's a real troublesome part of this orderly worship text of how to worship. You're going to go. I, I have to. Yeah. yeah. It says um, in verse 33 and 34. And it says, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And this is something, this next verse is something that is very often used against women and especially women as ministers. It says, as in all the congregations of the saints, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak. They must be in submission as the law says. Now, again, verse 35 says, if they want to inquire about something, they should ask their husbands at home for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. And I think it's really important for, especially not just for the women, but for the men to understand the context of this. Paul is speaking to a church where it's chaos and there's no order and they're developing a reputation as if it's like a big party orgy, like people have rumors of what's going on in these spaces. It was already scandalous because both men and women were sitting at the table as equals in a culture where women weren't even allowed to leave their house. And when they did, they had to have full coverings when they were in worship. You know, the, the Jewish court had a totally separate court for the women from the men. Like this, So Christians were already just breaking through the mold. And Paul is saying, let's dial it back. And the context here is not that women shouldn't speak. The Greek is that they had questions. They hadn't been raised in the Jewish synagogue. They weren't trained in the scriptures. So when women started joining services, they had a lot of questions that to men, they had already learned and maybe were common sense. And so it's saying, if you have a question, don't disrupt the flow of service, but make a note of it and have the question, ask your, your husband at home so that you don't disrupt and confuse the service, right? And then there's the other dynamic that most of the women, the average wife, you know, the husbands would be in their 30s or 40s and the wife would been 12, 13, 14 years old. So you're also looking at a dynamic where most of the women would have been very, very young and the men who would have been part of the service would have been older and more learned. So there's a culture here that we, it's important to know when we look at this and as we shape our service times and as we shape that you don't want someone to come in and I, I want you to all have the, the understanding and the tools because if someone is like, well, you can't just teach part of scripture and you're saying this here, but what about this? Then women are supposed to sit down and shut up. And just to reinforce what I'm saying, I, I want to go back to chapter 11, which is another text that is often used against women, but is important here because I just want to 
highlight this. It says, uh, chapter 11, verse, uh, verse 5. It says, Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head as though her head was shaved. So this is something that is used to talk about how men are the head and women. But notice here it's saying when a woman prays or prophesies, she's supposed to cover her head. So again, his point is not that women are supposed to sit down and shut up. Here they're praying. They're prophesying. They're active participants in the worship service. But they had to wear a sign to just show that it was not anarchy, right? They're not trying to start a revolution. It's not some sort of weird, you know, there were, there were Artemis cults and things where women were considered divine beings and men were inferior. So he's trying to combat false teaching. He's saying, ladies, you're welcome to be participants in the service. You are equals at the table. You can pray and prophesy, but we, we need to have a certain amount of order in order to preserve the reputation of the church, that people don't think something scandalous is going on because that was the culture in Corinth. People thought that Christians were doing something scandalous, that they had no sexual morals, that they were coming together and doing all kinds of crazy stuff behind closed doors. Um, even just calling their feasts, they called them agape feasts, and people were like, love fests? Like, what, like what is, you know? Yeah. And, and then they were meeting in, in the tombs by the, you know, there was a lot of Christians were doing weird stuff, right? So Paul is like, hey, guys, here's certain boundary lines that you need to have in place. And I love that he paints this beautiful picture where everyone is an equal at the table and everyone is an active participant. And when we cherry pick a verse like verse 35 from chapter 14, and we say, see, women are supposed to sit down and shut up. Well, you have to know the context of Corinthians. You have to know the context of the larger chapters and, and the larger teaching of what Paul is bringing to the table. So that's kind of a side of, of what we're talking about tonight. But I do think it's important because when we talk about what worship should look like and, and biblical worship, we have to take into those things that people might creep in and become right. legalistic about it, right? right. They might come in and right. try to undermine and say, well, you know, if you really want to be biblical, then, you know, and, and they're misinformed. And we just need to look at the big picture so that we are not misinformed. And actually, actually that, that's a good point. I did, not, I did not want to get into the tongues or prophecy, but exactly what you're saying. There's got to be order in the sexual, in the during the service. Yeah. That's why he really does hit. He's he even he's like, hey, when, if somebody speaks in tongues, just two or three people in a row, okay. not in a row, like one at a time, yeah. and pray that somebody will interpret it. Because if nobody's interpreting, just right. Yeah, it's actually good. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in church and keep it between himself and God. So in other words, even the prophecy, the tongues, if there wasn't someone to interpret, you need to sit down and shut up. He's telling everybody to shut up, basically, yeah. at this point. Because, because that organization is important. And even with prophecy, uh, he, speak, the, the, he speaks about prophecies the same way. And I love what he says there. He says that the person has control. Yeah. Can you read that? Sorry, I put Bible the spirit down. of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophet. And again, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Yeah, this one's something that, that really opened my eyes because we've been to churches, very charismatic churches, where all of a sudden somebody gets out in the middle and starts prophesying, prophesying or babbling and everything else. And he says, 
You have control over the spirit that is in you. Right here, he's, he's speaking that. The spirit is of prophets are sub subject to the control of the prophet, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Like we, we really need to look at that. And the reason we want to, I, I want to stress this as much, is that when we say to you guys, in our church, we want, we're welcoming for you to come in with a hymn and with a prayer and with a word of encouragement during our service, but, right. but make sure that it's in some organizational level, not as, as Trish and I are teaching and all of a sudden, thou says the Lord, <laughs> I want to say something right now or break out into a song. There's a time and a place to have that in our service. And the, uh, and the other thing is um, with that is that we, we want to have a culture where you are welcome to do that. You know that, that we will follow the, the spirit that's, been leading, that's leading you also, but you don't have to. I don't want you guys to feel like every time you show up to core, you need to bring a song and dance. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but if God's been... Hello, my baby. Hello, my <laughs> But if God's been speaking to you all week and encouraging you and giving you a verse, it's like, hey, guys, before we start, I just really want to share this. This has been on my on my heart. Or, or man, this song's been, it's been blessing me all this time. Or... Mario, I just want to pray over you today. Can, can, can we pause before we even start anything? Can we just pray for you? And we want to have that kind of culture in our church. It's organized, but it's also open to everybody because we're all led by the same spirit. He has gifted us to have that. That's, that's why we want to have those opportunities. That's why we are small right now, so we can build these little things and, and teach people. That it's, it's okay an organized ma matter led by God right thanks for joining us we hope this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to God know you are loved and covered in prayer